What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Hour number two of a numbers game here. Matt Brown filling in for Gil. Kelly Bidlin behind the glass. Want to kick things off here with our pro tip for the hour, we talked about this very early on, but keep an eye on that Joel Embiid situation. Anything more comes out about this injury or possibly him missing some time might be time to look at Nikola Jokic or Giannis in that MVP market because, again, he is just sitting as the second shot right now at 4-1. to one. Still get Giannis at a decent price, and, again, if Joel Embiid is not going to play, also leaves him vulnerable for a gap to be even further between the Bucks and the Sixers with everything so just keep that in mind when we are looking at the MVP market there in the NBA and since we are talking NBA we're going to bring in our very own NBA expert he is Jonathan Von Tobel JVT thanks for joining us buddy yo what up how you doing man how is uh how how's the first half I mean I know it's further than half but we'll call it how's how's the the all-star break you know pre-all-star break been for you in the NBA uh, it's been difficult for me, for to be quite honest. It's been hard to, you know, put my finger on a lot of this stuff as we kind of move forward. I feel like, you know, there's been some even footing found, but uh, still a lot of work to do as we kind of move forward. Feel good about some future positions and whatnot, but uh, really looking forward to kind of dig back into this uh, once the All-Star break's all over with. So we got a tweet, and we were answering this last segment. We were talking about, hey, look, you know, what are some of the in-game strategies for the NBA? And, you know, I don't want you to give all of yours would take the whole segment. But, like, what, what would you say is kind of your, your number one piece of advice when it comes to in-game betting in the NBA? I, I think it's, it's looking to go against, like, in-game trends. I guess what I'll phrase that is I'll go back to last night, for example. Um, Chicago and Indiana, and I was lucky enough to be part of the NBA betcast uh, for that game yesterday. And when you saw that first quarter where Indiana only scores 15 points and that in-game total at one point, Matt, closed 227 and a half, 228, got down to as low as 212 and a half, 213 and a half. And one of the cases that I was making when you talk about that and what I mean by going against in-game trends is you would think, oh, this game is a dead under. However, when you look at the fact that the Pacers are a really good second quarter team and that this Bulls bench was not very good, how bad this Bulls offense could be and how effective Indiana could be in transition, 
the case I was making on the broadcast was it's a time now to go over, even though this game looks like a dead under. And it's also a roundabout way to support Indiana, right? Because if you don't want to get in all the way on Indiana, whether it's from a point spread perspective or anything else, that's a team that's going to increase the pace where scoring is going to go up. And that's kind of a different way to get behind Indiana without getting all the way behind Indiana. Now it played out that Indiana came all the way back and ended up winning that game. But you can also see that not only did it go over the in-game total of 212.5, it went over the pre-flop total mm-hmm. of 227.5. So for me, that's one of those. I'm not blindly going in, right, and a, a game that looks like a dead over, I'm looking to bet under, or a dead under looking to bet over. But when there's instances like that where early in games, the market is getting really extreme with these totals, and that's why I like to bet a lot of them in-game totals, not sides. That's what I'm really looking forward to. So we were talking about a couple of different guys. I want to get your thoughts on this because certainly you've probably already dug into what you would maybe think was bettable or something. But a couple of guys going to be on the move. We know that Westbrook and now Kevin Love getting bought out this morning. Westbrook has talked to four different teams, Bulls, Wizards, Heat, and Clippers. Were he to sign with any of those four teams, would it pique your interest at all in any of them? Not really. I mean, I get it would pique my interest to go against Chicago. I mean, like we'll put it this way. The Chicago's lost five straight. I mean, but seriously though, like, so I Chicago's lost the same, five. T- same thing, Jamie. Really? That's all yeah, I'm laughing. Yeah. Like Kelly, like think about it. So Chicago's lost five straight, right? Their offensive rating in these five games guys is 94. Okay. In today's NBA, they're averaging less than a point per possession in those games for the season. They are now the sixth worst offense in the NBA. What about that screams that you need an in, efficient shooter like Russell Westbrook to join you, right? That's not a, that's not an addition that you need. When I was watching that game last night, I was not like, boy, the bulls really need a Russell Westbrook type on the floor here right now. No, that's not what they need. They're an inefficient team that doesn't take a lot of threes and is not particularly great at shooting threes or just executing on offense in general. That is not something that you want. And it, they go hand in hand with Miami. Miami does not need Russell Westbrook. Miami needs a a scoring wing. They need a shooter that is a little bit more consistent. They need efficient offense. Both of these teams need efficient offense. Could you make the case that the Clippers could use Russell Westbrook? Yes. However, you're making that case in the thought that Russell Westbrook is going to be a traditional point guard when he joins the Los Angeles Clippers, right? You don't need to take double-digit shots a game. You need to be getting north-south. You need to be distributing off kickouts. You need to be starting the swinging around of the ball. You need to be a facilitator, not a scorer and a shot taker. And if he's going to play that role, then you could make the case that Russell Westbrook could fit with the Los Angeles Clippers. But what about this large sample size of data with Russell Westbrook? Have we shown that he is willing to take that role on? We haven't. So I would say at this point right now, I just don't see him as a positive addition. And there's also a reason why a lot of these guys are on the buyout market because they're not effective in their current role. So I would say it's a long-winded answer, and obviously clearly a somewhat passionate one, but I would say that at this point, outside of like Terrence Ross guys going to Phoenix, which I loved, I don't think there's really a move that you're moving the needle for. Well, I think, uh, JVT, we have a topic for Hardwood Handicappers later today. Check it out wherever podcasts are downloaded. But Beeson.com uh, slash podcast. Beeson.com, yeah. <laughs> I might disagree a little bit with the Heat, but I think you're right with the – I think the Clippers, it would be – you're right. If you if you could fit him into an ideal way to play for Russell Westbrook on the Clippers, it could make sense. But like you said, we've never seen that before. I don't know why we'd expect it now. And I think he's a team that you could end up any any usage that he's taking away from guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George would be a travesty, right? So that that's where yep. I think I think a team like that shouldn't even be considering Russell Westbrook. 
And to add really quickly, if you've watched enough of the Clippers guys, like there are already problems with Kawhi Leonard, like not taking quarters off, but like going full quarters where he's taking like one shot attempts, right? And ultimately kind of disappearing from a game offensively. Then you add Russell Westbrook to a mix like that. Like that's not something you need for that team at this point right now. Plus you got Norm. So what else do you need? That's six man of the year, Norm Powell. (laughs) So JVT, then let me, let me interest you then in a Kevin Love to the heat. Then you talked about them maybe needing a more consistent shooter while he's only 35% this year from three that actually still puts him right there with the top three point shooter they have on the roster. Currently he did shoot nearly 40% last year from three did Kevin Love. If, if, if he were to join that team, I understand, like, if you look at the numbers he's got this year, eight and eight, doesn't really pop off the page. But as we, as you just talked about, he just doesn't fit in that rotation where he's at. So he moves to the heat. It at least gives them another guy that can knock down a three if they need to. I think I would really like that. And he fits next to Bam Adebayo. He fits with their current personnel. So there's not going to be any spacing issues. Well, actually, he should open up the floor a little bit more for that team. I would really like him. And he's a really smart and well, like a coachable player that I think would fit really nicely in that system. You know, is he a dynamic defender by any stretch? No, Uh, but he's also a really solid team defender in that he's never going to be way out of position and he's going to be able to be in the system. He's going to fit well. He's going to learn it and he's going to know what his assignments are. So I would say, yes, like for a team too in Miami that did nothing to the deadline and really needs to add something. Like, I think that is a really good uh, acquisition to make like on the buyout market. I would think that that is a fit that is really nice and at least one of the top ones you can make given the situation that you're in. Just three games on the slate tonight. We've got the Bucks and the Bulls right now. The Bucks are eight-point road favorites with a 229.5 total. Wizards and Timberwolves. Timberwolves, three-point home favorites, 234.5. And, and then the late tip-off between the Clippers and Suns, in which we find the Suns is one-point home favorites here in that one, 223.5 your total. Any interest in any of these games this evening? Yeah, I bet under 230 and a half for Milwaukee, Chicago. Uh, you know, I mentioned the the offensive issues for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, second leg of a back-to-back as well. So they blow that game against Indiana yesterday. Now they had come in here on this five-game losing streak to take on Milwaukee. I think the market has got this right in putting this number where it's at. But I think I'm more comfortable playing this thing under that total. Uh, again, I got it at 230 and a half. There's still 230s out there. So that's still perfectly fine, worth playing under uh, if you haven't played it under already. I just, Milwaukee should be in a position here in which they're going to be able to contain this offense. Remember, no DeMar DeRozan either. So that takes another offensive valve out of the equation for Chicago. So I bet that thing under and uh, also going to the late game too, uh, Los Angeles and Phoenix. I think it's really interesting dynamic, Matt, because the market, and I've been writing about this every time the Suns have played, the market has kind of slept on the Suns in the fact that they're better, right? Because they're healthier. Like Chris Paul's back, Devin Booker's back and DeAndre Ayton with them together for the season. The numbers haven't really been that great, but the sample size is really small. And one of the good indications of that was they played Sacramento the other day, the market moves against them, but then they win comfortably against the Sacramento Kings. However, I think now the market is starting to finally buy into Phoenix, but it might be the wrong matchup. They don't really have any defensive pieces to throw out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Both are going to be healthy. They're a little smaller on the wings in that regard. The Clippers, who in years past and seasons past, got beat up by DeAndre Ayton. Now two centers to throw at him in Plumlee and, of course, of each Subach. So their size is a lot better, and their bench is better too. I think that the market, they improved the power rating for the Los Angeles Clippers, and that kind of finally showed out in that second half against Golden State. I just think the Clippers are a really good matchup here for the Phoenix Suns, given the size that they have, especially with Kevin Durant not out there right now. So took a little stab at money line, even money with the Los Angeles Clippers here against the Suns. JVT only got about a minute left, but do you agree with the Suns moving to the second shot to win it all only behind the Celtics? Celtics plus 310 right now. Suns are sitting plus 425. 
Uh, no, I, I don't, to put it really quickly. I, I think Milwaukee still should be rated as the second-best team, if not maybe the best team uh, in the NBA, especially with the addition of Crowder. Uh, their small ball lineups are going to be great, Matt. The, the, look, we always do this, right? Team gets star, so, of course, market has to overreact, and you also adjust because you know you're going to get action on that team. Uh, but to put that gap between Phoenix and Milwaukee, I think, is wrong. I still rate Milwaukee as the best team, so I, I think the market's getting a little overzealous in the way they've rated uh, Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, who Kevin Durant, by the way, we haven't seen him play yet because he's still not healthy. He is our senior NBA analyst. You can find him on the Hardwood Handicappers podcast alongside Midland Bidlin at least once a week over there. You can find him on the Twitter machine at me, JVT. Thanks for the time today, John. Good to see you guys. Thank you. So, Kelly, I understand he doesn't like the 425, but guess what? Guess what? Someone might have a 20 to 1 on this on the desk right now. I might have a 7 to 1, but it's to win the West. Oh, no, mine's to win it all. <laughs> I might have a 20 to one, I can give the uh, the story for that one here on the other side. We're also going to take a look at these MLB stat leader markets because I think these are pretty interesting as we head into the season. Where are, is there any value in any of these guys at the top of the board? What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Split bets! 
Want to know where the money and the bets are moving every game? Well, betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, sometimes nine minutes, so you can see the changes in all of the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check it out, not for today's action, but also future events as well. Betting splits, just another way. VEASAN's here to make you more informed better year-round. Check it out over at VEASAN.com, B-S-I-N.com. Matt Brown on the desk for Gil Alexander. The beard behind the, gla- the glass still here. Kelly Bidlin. Damn. The absolute beard. Um, looking here, as we were as we were going to, to, to break, Kelly, I teased that we were going to talk about these baseball statistic leaders. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about here is you can go in to, let's, we'll just call it DraftKings, and you'll go into Major League Baseball. You can go into player futures, or regular season leaders, actually, is the tab. And so it'll be home run leader, strikeout leader, RBI leader, hits leader. So you can basically bet on all of these, you know, season-long totals as to who will end up as the leader in each one of these categories. And, of course, the home run leader, I would imagine, I'm going to guess is probably the most popular of any of these markets. <laughs> yeah, everybody, wants so to, too, yeah. Yeah. everybody wants to bet on home runs. I can only imagine that home runs is the one that's actually getting the most attention here. So we'll start off with that one. You can, can probably I, imagine who your short shot is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you, I'm going to ask yeah. you a more macro question first of, of betting markets like this because you're a much, much bigger mm. baseball better than I am. Um Home runs might be a separate a separate issue mm-hmm. when we when we address this, but are these these seem smarter to me right off the bat? If you're going to bet any of these regular season leaders to look for a longer shot, if we're really betting these preseason, it's the only thing that makes sense because one, the odds throughout the course of the year are not going to shrink that much. Certainly on these guys at the top of the board, and then further, I mean, look, injuries still are a thing. So okay, so at the top of this board, let's just say this for example. Aaron Judge is six to one. Mike Trout is eight to one. They are your two short shots. Alonzo is nine to one. Um, but we're, we're looking at Aaron Judge and we're looking at Mike Trout. Well, Aaron Judge, of course, hit sixty-two home runs last year in one hundred and fifty-seven games. In twenty twenty-one, though, he hit thirty-nine in one hundred and forty-eight games. Twenty twenty-twenty was the the pandemic year. But then he only played one hundred and two games in twenty nineteen. He only right. played one hundred and twelve games in twenty eighteen. He had twenty-seven homers in each of those seasons. You really got to go back then again to to way back to 2017 for him to have played the majority of a season in which he played 155 games. He hit 52 home runs. So you have the Aaron Judge factor, which is, yeah, when he's playing, he's definitely hitting home runs. But the problem is, is, is staying healthy. And then of, of late, you could say the same thing about Mike Trout, right? So yep. he has played 140 games in a season just one time since 2017. And and that's very unfortunate because Mike Trout, when he's in there, is absolutely a beast. So he hit 40 last year, but that was in 119 games. Missed a ton of games. He hit 45 in 2019, and that was in only 134 games. If you look in the last 11 seasons for Mike Trout, he has played 1,367 games over those 11 seasons. So if you break that out into a 162-game average, he's averaging 41 home runs a year. I mean, it's just ungodly numbers. The problem is, is he doesn't play anywhere close to 162 games over the course of the year. <laughs> right. So you really do, in my opinion, if I'm getting involved in something like this, it's got to be a double-digit guy, if not even a kind of higher double-digit guy for me to look at because there is, listen, every single game that a guy's not in the lineup, of course, is 
is four fewer opportunities for him to hit a home run, and if not five. And so you start to look at these numbers where you got Judge, who's missed tons of games over the last couple of years. You have Trout, who's missed a ton of the game over the last couple of years. Jordan Alvarez has missed significant time over the last few years as well. And so I'm going down, man. I'm going into that, like, 18-ish to one type, looking at a, at a Matt Olson type guy before I'm really even putting an account, a ticket in my account that, again, it's a long baseball season, folks. So you get an account, you get a, you get a, an account that is full of baseball futures, and you're going to be like, oh boy, what have I done? <laughs> like, what have I done? You open yeah. your account, and it's like this long, full of full of baseball futures, and you're like, oh god, yeah, that's I, hanging I'm, out I'm money for a yeah, while. Yeah. That that money is just sitting in there marinating for a long time. I mean, for what it's worth, if we look at some of the projection systems that are out there as to what they're telling us now, you can look at Zips, you can look at Steamer. You can even look at some of the really reputable fantasy sites as well, have pretty good algorithms that they go in and do projection systems as well. On the steamer side of things, their top, I'll just give you quickly, their their top 10 guys, Judge, Vlad Jr., Trout, Schwarber, Alonzo, Tatis Jr., and they have Tatis Jr. as the number six guy in home runs, and Tatis Jr. is going to start the year suspended. So just let you to kind of let you know, you know where that is with this home run market. Jordan Alvarez at seven, Otani at eight, Riley and then Olsen. So they do have Matt Olsen inside the top 10. You can find him at 18 to one in this market. So it's just kind of something to, to keep in mind. If we look at the zips projections, both are going to have Aaron judge at the top. They have one has 44 homers. One has 46 homers for Aaron judge. Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonzo, Kyle Schwarber, but Matt Olsen actually jumps up to fifth. Whenever we look at the zips projections and they have him slated for 36 home runs. So if we kind of go in, and we say, what if Matt Olson, whatever projection they have, he goes 10% above that. And what if they go 10% below for some of these guys above him? Then now we start to get into where they're more even, right? I mean, like that would put Matt Olson up at like 40 homers. That would bring Judge back down to something like 40-ish, 42-ish, 41-ish homers. So now you're separated by just a homer if we say he overachieves by 10% and Judge underachieves by 10%. Now you add in any sort of injury factor in there as well. That's kind of how I approach these types of markets. Uh-huh. And so again, so a guy like Olsen, if he can overachieve by 10%, if these guys above him underachieve by 10% and plus the injury factor weighs in as well, an 18 to one on that type of guy, I think is, is interesting. And you do, I don't think you'll feel dumb about locking up money for, for six months with a guy. If you, if you at least got 18 to one in the account. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple names at you uh, mm-hmm. guys. We've discussed in the past. We'll get your thoughts. I'm going Rowdy to Les. That's where I'm going for re- lead the uh, okay. lead, lead the league in home runs. Okay. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. He's actually inside the top 14 of of all the projection systems. And Boom! Stuff there like we that. go. And, and, and 55 and, to one. And, on if rowdy. Any, and if anybody doesn't know why Kelly might like Rowdy to Les, just Google a picture. He a big guy. Just Google a picture Rowdy to Les and Kelly and uh, Rowdy have partied before. <laughs> like you know, like they're 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 good friends. And so. Uh, so that's something. But, yes, he's actually inside the top 12 in one of the projections, inside the top 14 in one of the others. But you can find these guys over on Fangraphs. You can go in and look. They do have full-season projections over there. And then you can't go exactly just by the numbers that they have projected. Now then you take those numbers, compare them to other projection systems, and then also, like I said, what could be a what could be a ceiling scenario for a guy? What could be a, a floor scenario for a guy? And then you start to look at the odds. Now compare that to the odds that are posted. And that's why, I, like – 
ended up landing on a guy like like Matt Olson, where I'm kind of like, okay, his his ceiling might actually be 42, and if there's a you know something a little bit under that, then that's something that we can look at as uh, well. Ryan Mountcastle, oh. the great Mountcastle. Man, he did so well for us for so long, and then just and then just what for whatever reason he just fell right off. We would we would be on air, and Ryan Mountcastle would hit a home run seemingly every at bat, and then when we started betting on him to hit a home run, he didn't hit a home run for like a month, like for <laughs> literally because yeah. we, we were bad. like, you know what? Why are we on air and we're not betting this guy to hit a home run? He's hitting a home run every single time that he t- steps in the batter's box. Me and Kelly start betting the guy. He goes like in a month-long drought and doesn't hit a home Yeah, run. that's what happens. He's yeah. sitting at 70-1 to one in this market, and I found a, tri- I tri- I found a triple-digit one for you. O'Neal Cruz at 100-1. to one. Okay. All right. I mean, Matt hates it. That's mad. If you want a long, listen, if you want a long, if you want a long shot, you know, maybe something like that. If we look at the RBI leader category, you're going to find Judge and Alonzo up there again. You're going to see these guys that were up there for the uh, for the home run title. That being said, it isn't necessarily all correlated here. And the reason I even bring this up is you can look and some of these guys start to pop on to this a little bit higher onto the odds board with a guy like Kyle Tucker, with a guy like Rafael Devers. These are guys that hit in the middle of lineups that don't necessarily don't necessarily hit a ton of home runs where they would be considered as a home run leader, but certainly get a ton of hits, hit with high average, and 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 uh, again hit in the middle of lineups. Now, Kyle Tucker and Rafael Devers. The reason I bring those guys up in particular. You have a 14 to 1, you have a 13 to 1 on these different guys, and they are projected two and three in, in a couple of the projection systems out there as far as RBI for the season. And so that actually, I think, does project a little bit of value because all three of these projection systems have these guys way, way up at the top, and you could get a 14 to 1 on a Kyle Tucker, you could get a 13 to 1 on Devers, as opposed to like half of what you're getting on Judge and Alonzo and things like that. So, I mean, I think those are at least guys that are pretty interesting from a betting perspective that no, don't necessarily pop on the home run side of things, but certainly from an RBI perspective, you could get in there at a little bit longer odds. Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely a different handicap when you're looking at this kind of market, right? The, te- the teams and who mm-hmm. guys that are in front of these guys in the lineup matters a whole lot more. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll uh, we'll hit on hits leader and stolen base leader tomorrow and take a look at those. There are some guys, again, that... I think that there might actually be, certainly from a stolen base standpoint, that could be pretty interesting because stolen bases are different now than they've been in baseball in a really long time. So I think a long shot guy makes a lot of sense in a stolen base category. But when we come back, we're going to talk some NFL with the one, the only, Dr. Mr. Eric Eager. Numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you are looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, VSEN experts have got you covered. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber for an introductory offer of just $9.99 American, $131.44 Botswana and Pula. And VSEN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of top plays. Made by VEASAN show hosts and guests, tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where experts break down the brackets, the best bets, and all of our daily props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Just visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today for this introductory offer of $9.99. That is VSIN.com slash subscribe. Matt Brown in here for Gil Alexander. Rest of the week, Kelly Bidlin behind the glass and 
Kelly, listen, man, I was interested in talking some baseball, but boy, the NFL still, it's, it's, it has, I haven't died with the NFL quite yet. And mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited to have my friend and yours, Dr. Mr. Eric Eager here on the program. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Matt, I'm doing great. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a week. Uh, I, th- I thought that, um, you know, after the Super Bowl, there wouldn't be much to talk about, but uh, the NFL provide us. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And I want to kick things off here. Uh, you know, you have moved on from PFF, VP of R&D over at Sumer Sports now. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Eric Eager underscore there. And Eric, I want to first ask you about these couple of coaching hires. We know that the, the Colts held out and ended up getting the guy I assume that they had their targets on the all along because that's why they held out so long. How do you feel like Steichen is going to to fit in with a team that, listen, I was very high on the Colts coming into last season. I thought maybe there was a little bit of gas left in the tank there for Matt Ryan. I thought that there was enough pieces on the offensive side and on the defensive side for, for them to win that division. I actually had some pretty decent positions on that. That, of course, didn't didn't pan out. Do you think that you bring in Steichen and one of these young quarterbacks that they're going to get that they might actually be in contention maybe? I, I think I think so. I mean, that division isn't very good. Um, you know, the Jaguars are ascending, but they have some cap. They have to do some things with the cap this offseason to make sure – uh, that they that they can be compliant. The Houston Texans are, you know, until further notice, not a not a contender. And Tennessee, you know, what are they going to do at quarterback? What are they going to do the rest of the roster? So, you know, I think the Colts at least have a path to the second position in that division, if not the first one. And you look at with pick number four, um, what has Shane Steichen done in his career? He's taken Justin Herbert uh, and turned him into a rookie of the year. He got caught up in the in the firing of Anthony Lynn. So then he goes to Philadelphia. Philadelphia struggles in the first half of the year with Nick Sirianni calling plays. They they turn it over to Steichen. Steichen turns Jalen Hurts uh, into an MVP candidate this year uh, and the, the guy that played that well in the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think he has the goods, whether or not they get, you know, Will Levitz, C.J. Stroud, uh, or, or Bryce Young at pick four, they move up to pick one, something like that. Like, they're that one move away, and I think that that is going to be the move, and Steichen has shown that he's able to develop young quarterbacks. So we get this report yesterday. Jason Lockenfora comes out and says that he heard from multiple different people that the Bears are open to moving Justin Fields. Did you – what do you take from that? Do you think that this is more just, uh, you know, somebody – somebody's – this is a – friend of a friend of a friend we're playing this giant game of telephone and then somehow the message got mixed up or do you think that there's actually some truth to this no i think there's legitimate reasoning for it and, and here's why i think you know with fields you you're two years into his rookie contract already um and but you're not really two years into his development right his first year with matt Nagy was kind of a mess this last year uh they kind of decided to stop letting him throw the ball and just let him run and, you know, so as a passer, I know that they went after Claypool in large part to try to get an evaluation of fields, but that didn't really pan out. And, and so we have an 1100 yard rusher, you know, quarterback there, um, but a guy that took a sack on 15% of his dropbacks, which is 4% more than anybody in the league. Like we don't really know that much about fields. And yet we're two years closer to having to make a decision on whether or not to pay him. Um, then we, th- then you would be on a, a you know another guy like Stroud or Bryce Young or somebody like that, and you have that number one pick that doesn't come by very often. The, the other one is you know if Fields is going to be a Lamar Jackson type, 
you know, where you want to build, you know, strong interior offensive line, fullbacks, tight ends, uh, and a defense, like that's not the most efficient use of a hundred million in cap space. And so, you know, I, I think what the bears are thinking is, okay, can we get a more traditional quarterback in the fold? Can we build around him using the cap space that we have, you know, on left tackle, wide receiver, defensive end corner, the premium positions. Like, I think that they're thinking about, okay, if you get to build a team from scratch, would you have that team be run by a run first quarterback? And I think the answer is no. And so that that's kind of the rub that they're in right now. I guess my question then leads to, is there even, is there a market for Justin Fields? I mean, I know there are some very quarterback needy teams out there, but for everything you just mentioned, where you look at the tape and I think a lot of people are get, did get confused towards the end of the season. They're like, oh, there was all this, you know, all this improvement with Justin Fields. And I was like, no, there was offensive improvement because they just let him basically run, you know, 10, 12 times a game or whatever. It wasn't necessarily because of anything he was doing with his arm. So is there a market for Justin Fields? I think there would be just because he's inexpensive. And um, obviously, you know, he has the athletic ability. He has arm strength and things like that. But you do have to come back and say, like, if the league thought that much of Justin Fields, he wouldn't have fallen to 11 to the Bears. Like, that, that mm -hmm. is a, a real thing. So, you know, maybe the market isn't as hot as they believe. But at the same time, like, you know, I guess the, the question is, is what's cleaner? Is trading the first pick for a lot of picks and hanging with Justin Fields, is that cleaner than just taking the, you know, the quarterback that you prefer at pick one and trading Fields? Uh, you know, th those are the two questions I, I guess you have to answer. Um, I, I do, I do agree with you though. I don't think, I think bears fans, if the bears do trade, Justin Fields are going to be disappointed in what the return ends up being. Talking to Eric eager VP of R and D over at Sumer sports, Eric, uh, of course, everybody wants to know what's going to go on with Aaron Rodgers when he decides to get out of the closet here in the next few days or whatever it is. And so is he, I imagine he's going to come out and go, Oh yeah, I like $60 million. I mean, I, you know, let me reflect on how much I like $60 million. I'm assuming that that's going to come to the conclusion that yes, I am going to play football. If that's the case, in your opinion, do you think he plays football for the Packers? I think the Packers are praying that he retires. Um, I, I, as you said, I think that there are millions of reasons why he won't. Um, and then, and from there, I think they'll probably will try to trade him. I know that the, the cap hit is enormous in doing so, but at some point you have to move on from the quarterback, uh, especially with the decision to, that needs to be made on, on Jordan Love's fifth-year option and, and so forth. So I, I don't think he plays for Green Bay again. I think there's a decent chance he retires, and that's what Green Bay prefers, but from then you're moving on to Vegas or, or the Jets or something like that, um, you know, in, in a possible trade. Is there a team that you have your eye on as we enter next season? I know it's very early. There's still the draft to play out. There's still free agency to play out. But is there a team that you kind of have your eye on where you're like, look, if they make a couple of the right moves that I think that they can make, I think this team could actually really make some noise next year. Is there a team like that that you've identified? Uh, yeah, I think the Carolina Panthers for me are the team and like it's sort of keeping with my theme of cats with the Lions and Jaguars and now <laughs> Panthers. I think like, you know, Frank Reich's a good coach. They had, you know, a bad run of luck. Um, Ejiro Evero is a really good defensive coordinator that got caught in the numbers game in Denver. Um, they have a really good defense with Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, guys like that uh, on the back end. Offensive line is better than I think people believe. They ran the ball really well last year. Uh, even without McCaffrey, they got all the 49ers picks in the McCaffrey trade. Um, they have the ninth overall pick, which they can use to, to go get a quarterback if they want one. Uh, uh, I, I like them a lot this year. 
Got about a minute and a half left, Eric, as we head into draft season here. And, of course, everything's going to start coming out about how small Bryce Young is and that everyone's going to argue, but look at the production. I tend to leave, lean on the look at the production side of things. I thought he was a fantastic collegiate quarterback with everything I would want maybe to lead my team. But we know, yes, he is going to come in undersized, and that's going to be the big discussion here. Is, is it Young, in your opinion? Is it Stroud? Is it Levis, who's the more kind of prototypical NFL quarterback? What, what is your opinion on these kind of top three guys' consensus? Seems and you know what? I think those three guys are great, Matt. But uh, seems oh wait, have, I'm not Dr. Eric Eager. Seems we have lost Dr. Mr. Eric Eager. Okay, he throws but, real solid. Honestly. I think that his. I, I'm pretty sure he was going to say, uh, "You have a 40 to one for Will Levis to go number one overall." So he is the guy that that you would would go with, right? Isn't that what he would tell us? I'm pretty sure. I think so. I think so. Why don't we ask him? He's back right away, right? Uh, just like that. There he is. Sorry, guys. I, I don't know where where I went. No worries. We got about 45 seconds. What do you think of the quarterback position in the draft? Yeah, I think. CJ Stroud is the most likely for me to be the best coming out of the gate. So if I was betting rookie of the year, I'd probably bet him. Um, I think Young has the highest, you know, potential you know, ceiling. I think Levitz is the wide, you know, widest variance. But if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go outside that three for who I think the possible Mahomes is. And that's uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. I think the floor is really low, uh, but the ceiling is incredibly high there. So, uh, yeah, that I, I, if, if I want a team to win right now with a rookie quarterback, I'm taking CJ Stroud. He is the VP of R&D over at Sumer Sports. Of course, you can find him on the Twitter machine, Eric Eager underscore. He is Eric Eager. Thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Matt, thanks for having me on. He didn't say he would take Will Levis number one overall, Kelly. He Ooh. did not say that I should cash that 40 to one ticket. I really wish he would have. We're going to talk some Daytona 500 here. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. 
what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM reward points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. If you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resort properties located along the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up at BetMGM.com or log on to BetMGM app today. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customers do get this offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you do have a gambling problem, we recommend 1-800-GAMBLER. It is Matt Brown in for Gil Alexander here on A Numbers Game. And we are joined on the desk here by Jeff Motley. Also on Skype, we'll have Brendan gone here shortly. Our Gone Racing crew and... We got you guys in because the big one is this weekend. Yeah, the Daytona 500, and it's interesting. NASCAR really kind of starts its season with the race they like to call their Super Bowl. Um, Daytona is certainly the one that gets all the attention. So it's going to be a great week down in Daytona. They already started with qualifying on Wednesday night. Going to be running the duels to set the field for the race uh, this evening and then the big race on Sunday. So, Jeff, I want to start with one, one question for you here because a lot of people are going to be transitioning from the NFL season, right? So we have in, a lot of guys who – Maybe had a pretty good NFL season, got a little extra money in their accounts, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to try out some of these other sports, some of these other ways that I can bet. What are all of the different ways? Because it's kind of like golf, right? Like, people don't realize you you don't have to just bet the winner of the tournament in golf, right? And it's kind of the same way in NASCAR. What are all the different ways you can actually bet a NASCAR well, race? Well, first off, much like golf, it's very difficult to pick the winner. Right. Maybe golf right now, you get Scheffler or Rahm, <laughs> right. and you figure you got a pretty good shot. Right. But – Trying to pick a winner, especially in a race like Daytona, is very difficult. We not, on, we not only have odds to win the race, we have odds to finish in the top three. We have driver head-to-heads. And what Brendan and I talk about a lot on our show and we really like are our group matchups. Mm-hmm. There's six different group matchups, and you only have four drivers in those groups. And pretty much the favorite is usually somewhere in the plus 200 range. And the long shot's usually mm-hmm. in the plus 300 range. And you've only got to beat three other guys. So you're not really worried about your guy winning the race. Just mm-hmm. beat those other three. That's one of the big ones that we really like. And then we've got some props. There are manufacturer props, like who is going to be the highest finishing manufacturer. Is it going to be a Chevy? Is it going to be a Ford? Is it going to be a Toyota? So there's a lot of different type of things like that. We can also compare race teams, whether it's Hendrick Motorsports or whether it's Penske or Joe Gibbs Racing. So there's a lot of different things you can do. I guess it's kind of like doing all the props during the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of different props we can do every week. But I imagine those markets that you just spoke of, kind of like in golf – 
it's a way to kind of keep your bankroll level across between hitting these outrights, right? Because, like, if you only are betting the race winners, you mentioned it's very hard to pick who just wins the race. One guy wins. And so you have to kind of keep those in the portfolio as well to keep your bankroll level. Right. And it kind of depends on the race. Like, for example, Daytona, you got 30 guys that can win at Daytona. Now, the next week we're going to go to Fontana, California. There's probably not but 12 or 15 mm-hmm. guys that can win. So the numbers are going to be a lot different. You know, sometimes those head-to-heads are great. At Daytona, mm-hmm. they, head-to-heads are not going to really get you very much, but they might mm-hmm. at Fontana. So we do have – we have Brennan on Skype there, Kelly? Yeah, we're good. Brennan, I do want to ask you, so we have a season in the books of the new car, and I know I listened to you guys last year where there was a little bit of question marks around just, you know, exactly what that would look like. Now that you have a season under your belt, what do you feel? What did you learn? How do you feel about the new car? Yeah, you know, as, as many things we learned about the new car, we still have questions about it. I mean, it just it was amazing last year that new car. And if you look at how we did on our on the old gone race and betting pool, it showed that it was a difficult season for us. Uh, but you know, in the end, this new car has proved out that it's, it it leveled the playing field, which as a better made it a whole lot more difficult to pick and choose your winners because it, this car leveled a lot. So that's why you said it. Picking a forty man horse race is tough to do. But picking a top 10, picking a top five, picking picking all these different runs, that's where, where these different you know props you get, that's where it comes in. I mean, hell, even DraftKings has top 10s, top fives. You can get, get out of just top threes. There's all sorts of action you can bet across the board in NASCAR to make it where you can get bang for your buck and get value for that unit you're trying to bet. And, Brendan, do we have any additional changes this year with everything, or can we – really kind of look back to last year as a full season of data and and feel pretty confident as we move forward into this year? You know, uh, we can definitely take data from last year. You have now a full season. You have a couple of times we've raced on the same track. So we do have that data. But what we're really looking at now is which teams, look, everybody knows cubic dollar wins the day and the big team started to rise near the end of the season. Every, everybody got better at the start of this thing, leveled the playing field, but you did see the cream start rising at the end of the year. You still got, you know, a champion out of the out of the you know the Penske group. You still got the championship four out of the big teams. I think you're still going to see that. This new car has a few other things, few little changes. But now we have the data. We can kind of pick and choose. Other than the Daytona 500, which Jeff was just talking about, we can kind of now say we know where the season should be going. We should have a better you know better number on our betting skills this year. Here with Jeff Motley and Brendan Gone of our Gone Racing podcast. Here, wherever you can find podcasts, and also Veasan.com/slash podcast. Jeff, one of the things you said that stuck out to me that I want to ask you about, you said there are 40 different guys that can win this race, but next week there's only, you know, 15 or something like that. What what makes this one so incredibly wide open? Well, part of it is the rules make the cars very even. So the cars are, are being restricted by how fast they can run. We used to call them restrictor plates. They call them tapered spacers now. But what that does is it just levels the playing field. So these cars are going to run in tight packs. You may see every car in the field in one big draft. I mean, literally separated by one second when they Mm -hmm. cross the finish line. So that's why this race is so hard, because it's almost about getting in the right line at the right time and, as Brendan will tell you, avoid the big wreck, because there's Mm going to be a big wreck. At least one of them. We know that's going to happen. Or two or three. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Brendan, we look at the top of the odds board here. Kyle Larson sitting about 10 to 1. uh, Ryan Blaney about 12 to 1. Danny Hamlin about 12 to 1. There's a lot that are sitting in that 12 to 14-ish type range. And then you can kind of get into some of the the longer shot guys. Well, if we're going into this race thinking that there's a good chance that there's going to be a, a big wreck, if we're going into this race thinking that there's a lot of different guys that can win, 
Are you looking further down the odds board here for your betting card, or do these guys at the top with these shorter odds still deserve to be 10, 12 to one in this race? Well, you've already seen Kyle Larson move down. He was a, he was 12 to one at the open. Now after qualifying, he's moved to 10 to one. And these numbers will move again after the duels uh, uh, tonight at, at Daytona on Thursday night. So you, you definitely are going to see numbers move quickly. So if you want to get the early lines, you know, you get on them now before the lines start shaking up. But there is a lot, a lot. I mean, just the page you have, last year's winner is 20 to one sitting on that page. I mean, that that that's last year's winner. You know, that's the guy that, that you know, has, has reached victory lane. And forget about the guys that aren't even on this page that are 40 to one. Jimmy Johnson is 40 to one. Austin Dillon is Daytona 5 winner, 40 to one. There are a lot of value all around this board. Dylan's gone down to 25 to one already. People betting him down. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a volatile market. You got to jump on these things early before the, you know, the duels because the numbers will shrink in those bigger ranges. They'll, nobody will get less than 10 to one, but those numbers will start to shrink in that value range, that 25, 30, 40. And any of those guys can win right there. I mean, you look at, at, at that board, Brian Priest, Austin Dillon, C. Bell, Kevin Harvick. These are all guys that are a threat to win this thing. Alex Bowman. They're all 20 to one after the duels. They're going to shrink down to 15s, 13s, 12s. Jeff, you got any bets in your account yet? I tell you the Jimmy Johnson at 40 to one. I know he hasn't raced NASCAR in a couple of years, but he hasn't forgotten how to race. Mm -hmm. And we know that car is going to be good. It's going to be fast. Uh, that's a big number on a mm -hmm. guy. That's a seven time champion. Jimmy Johnson, 40 to one. If I'm going to take a winner and try to make some money, mm -hmm. that'd be the one. Brendan, you got a couple of bets you like? Listen, we can't give away the gone racing show too early for you. Come on, we we got to save a little something. But listen, I I'm going to be a homer. My 62 team with Austin Hills in there. He's at 70 to one. I'm an Austin Hill guy. Got to go there for you. Now the manufacturer, there's only Chevy, Ford, Toyota to be able to pick from. Chevy 120, Ford 150, and then Toyota all the way up at 320. Is there a reason Toyota? Is that just the quality of the drivers, the amount of drivers? Why is the the number so much bigger? That's there? a that's a numbers game. It's mm -hmm. exactly what that is right there. There's not as many. Toyotas in the mm -hmm. field. So the Chevrolets have got more cars in the field, so therefore okay. their odds are going to be better. Gotcha. And then from a group betting standpoint, as you mentioned, what are you looking at specifically in those? Are, are you looking at guys that you like anyway, and then you're like, okay, well, I'd rather, rather like them in that group, or are you actually looking at who some of these guys are paired up against? I think who you're paired up against, because I think sometimes if you get three guys from the same team in a group and, there's a, and the fourth guy in the group mm -hmm. is a different team, that might be the guy to take a look at, because these team mm. deals – those guys don't want to get out of line too much until it's the last lap. Man, this is – I listen, I am up and ready for this, guys. I'm going to get some bets in my account come tomorrow. Cool. Kelly Bidlin, you better get some bets in your account as well. Hey, man, what we discovered last year, Super Speedway live betting, it's chaos out on the track. You can get some long numbers we, in game. We, we get one big wreck, they said, so we might as well take – some longer shots here along the way. Thanks so much to Jeff Motley and to Brendan Gone. And again, you can catch Gone Racing on vison.com slash podcasts and wherever your podcasts are listened to. So be sure to go in and subscribe, rate, and review on that. Matt Brown, coming back tomorrow for a numbers game. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.